they had this question brought up of how do you how are you in the right place at the right time always to capture like these really incredible moments or these really pretty shots or whatever and sometimes they say well usually we're just talking with them or something else is happening and then we see them do an action and we're like hey can you just do that again and so then they get in a position to record that moment again and in a way it's not fake because they already did it they've already done it and it's part of their natural you know movement and course so to speak hello everyone welcome to the fifth episode of the unofficial last year from podcast i'm joined by kristen and uh last year university alumni john kwong say hello 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 yay all right so today's topic is commercial and documentary filmmaking and so we have john who is great in both of those aspects so john uh Let's, let's just go through you. Uh, tell us a little bit about your background uh, and how you got started in filmmaking and where you are now. Yeah, so I started doing film uh, in high school where I took like an intro to film class and uh, that kind of piqued my interest. So throughout high school and college, I was doing a lot of um, like video stuff for my school and a lot of like promotional advertising content for both my high school and my college. Um, and I think especially during my time in La Sierra, I was doing a lot of uh, my own client work as well outside of the school. And so throughout those, what, eight, nine years, I was able to build up a fairly decent um, <clears throat> clientele. And I've done quite a bit of that kind of like one man band style promotional work. And recently, in the past couple of years, I've teamed up with um, two of my old high school classmates <laughs> and um, starting up a film production company, commercial film production company. So we've Yay. been doing that for a couple of years. Yes, that is awesome. So uh, let's just go through each one of us and uh, use our own definitions of um, commercial and documentary filmmaking. So what is commercial filmmaking? I think it's just uh, something that's used to either sell or enhance the, the look of a brand or the messaging of a brand. Yeah, I would tend to agree. I think it's very targeted. It's, there's a point other than the story. The story is serving some other purpose than, uh, than just telling a story is what I would say. Yes. All right. And documentary filmmaking. So let's go with John. What is documentary filmmaking? Uh, I think documentary filmmaking is, I mean, I want to say it, it's telling something that's, you know, um, rooted in reality, but I think a lot of narrative work is very much so rooted in reality too. But I think it's like traditional documentary is um, <clears throat> re really letting yourself as a filmmaker, just being the person that captures something in its, uh, like original habitat, uh, whatever your subject would be, and presenting that to the world. I think now we have a lot more artistic documentary work that kind of blends a lot of you know, traditionally narrative aspects of filmmaking into the documentary world, which I think is pretty cool. Because um, then, yeah, people might argue that it's not like really realistic, you know, the story that you're telling, but. Um, I mean, anything that passes through the filter of an artist has some kind of a color or bias to it. So I think 
it's just to what degree uh, you allow. <laughs> um, but I think the intent has to be that you're trying to be truthful to your subject as a filmmaker. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I would agree. Um, the, the way that I've heard documentary filmmaking is that you like a filmmaker goes out and they see something happening and they think to themselves, this is something that's worth sharing. And like John was saying, being very authentic and being very truthful as they can, um, they try to record it or try to capture what about that story is worth sharing to other people. So I would say that that is what it looks like to be a documentary filmmaker, finding a story that is that needs to be shared. Yes. All right. And um, but for you know some people, or at least people, when they when they've gotten older, they like know what a documentary is, like straight off the bat. The, like comparing it to like a Hollywood movie, how would you differentiate between a documentary and a narrative? Because they usually always have a beginning, middle, and end. So, how would you differentiate documentary narrative? That's a hard question. <laughs> um, I think a big difference between documentary and a narrative is that a documentary tends to show a little bit more than a narrative would, in my opinion. Um, if it is a true documentary and not someone recreating it, um, you usually have a lot of bits and pieces in the middle that sort of help the plot or the story, but or they really help to kind of give whoever the documentary is about or whatever the documentary is about more life to them. And from what I've seen in watching documentary, there's a lot more bits and pieces that kind of round out the characters and round out the people in a documentary than there are in a narrative format. And documentaries tend to be a lot slower paced because of that, in my opinion. And that usually serves to create more rounded characters, but overall a longer story. Yeah, I think with like documentary, you, you take existing pieces and you craft the story from that. Whereas I think with narrative, you, you put the story as the primary driver, and then you create the pieces to, to fit that story. Would you guys agree that like documentary is just more based upon like existing and uh, nonfiction work as compared to like a narrative that may be based upon uh, nonfiction or true stories, uh, but like narratives just dramatize it more and exaggerate it. Well, I think, I think it's a really great summary. Yeah. <laughs> Right, Sorry, but I mean, ahead. documentary stuff can definitely be dramatized, too. So I was watching a documentary, and I was watching a behind-the-scenes of the documentary, and they had this question brought up of, how do you, how are you in the right place at the right time always to capture, like, these really incredible moments or these really pretty shots or whatever? And sometimes they say, well, usually we're just talking with them or something else is happening, and then we see them do an action, and we're like, hey, can you just do that again? And so then they get in a position to record that moment again. And in a way, it's not fake because they already did it. They've already done it. And it's part of their natural, you know, movement and course, so to speak. And they're just trying to make sure that they capture it versus um, someone writing in the story, such and such a point, this person does this. So the organic nature of something isn't ruined by repetition necessarily versus what like john was saying before in a narrative they have to choose very specific points they want to show and they just keep that going over and over and over again i agree with that john i think so yeah all right all right for for commercials how is 
at least uh, for more storyfied commercials, how is story incorporated into a commercial? I mean, nowadays, I think branded content is a big thing because um, our culture is so focused on this whole story forward aspect of like everything in media. So branded content really is just a piece of content that is <clears throat> attached to a brand. So a lot of times it could be like a mini documentary um, that's somehow attached to a brand. Um, it could be like a full on like narrative piece. It could be a short film um, mm-hmm. or it could be like tiny little 30 second spots, uh, 15 second spots um, that aren't your traditional um, like selling forward commercials. So yeah, there's a lot of, of like a lot more interesting storytelling in commercial uh in the whole commercial industry now which is kind of cool because it lets you as an artist um have a little bit more creativity in how you present like a brand how how do you find interesting ways to promote a brand um kind of like messaging of a brand without just purely selling Mm. yeah let's let's talk let's touch upon that a little bit more how do you kind of incorporate a brand into your content uh, so it doesn't seem like you're selling it I, I mean sometimes it'll just be the fact that it's commissioned by a brand um so if i mean there are a lot of say like musical instrument band um brands that you know commission pieces talking about um musicians that may may have like used their instruments or may be currently using their instruments um and then it's just the discretion of the brand and the creator as to like how how much you actually want to talk about the brand in the piece versus staying on target with the, the story. Chris, anything to add on to that? I've been seeing a lot of commercials nowadays on the internet where back in the day with television, you would usually have <clears throat> a brand would usually like get itself associated positively by telling a good story. Or they would like get someone that is very notable to essentially be on, you know, to sell their brand. So like a celebrity, right? But I think everyone can kind of look at Super Bowl commercials as a really great compact way to do commercial storytelling. And obviously, you know, these are brands that have a lot of money and a lot of, you know, ability to have resources to tell really good stories. But more people remember story forward commercials like Super Bowl commercials then they remember one-off commercials that kind of go by and are just designed to sell you a product that are not designed to tell you to sell you a story as well so I think like John was saying it's we're in a really nice space nowadays where there's more opportunity to tell stories within a commercial Um, but at the same time you are trying to at some points manufacture a story to sell a product and at some points, you were lucky enough to have a story already existing that you can capture and then, you know, refer a product with. So I think it's kind of difficult nowadays, but it's also really opportune. You know, there's a lot of opportunities. Yes. So let's let's touch upon, or let's just dive into commercial filmmaking. How does one get started in commercial uh, filmmaking? Convince somebody with a business to give you a chance. <laughs> <laughs> That's very true. I mean, yeah, so for me, I I was in high school. I had just taken um, that, you know, in, super intro to film class where I just learned how to edit roughly and, and how to, you know, 
super simple stuff, you know, 180 degree rule. And so coming out of that, um, I made a bunch of like class event videos. Um, but every year my school had this little mini contest for uh, creating like a promo video for the school, you know, cheap way for them to get a lot of cool promo stuff for them to use. <laughs> but um, yeah, I created a piece for that. So uh, they, they liked what I made and they continued to hire me based on that. But yeah, if you're able to, yeah, especially with this whole branded content world, if you can show that you can, you know, take, take pieces and, and create some kind of a story, you'll probably be able to convince somebody to, to let you do something for, for their brand. <laughs> mm -hmm. Yeah. Personally, for me, when I entered college, I had, you know, little to no film experience and little to no film education. And I was just wanting to really work on something. And so I started asking around, Hey, does anyone need a video? Does anyone need a video? And, um, our church that was associated with our university was like, hey, yeah, we are, we've been working on this community service uh, project for a really long time. And our, we would like to, you know, kind of showcase how we're going to transition from this model to a different model now that we have a new space. So could you help record with us? And I was like, yeah, sure, absolutely. I would love to, you know, do it and just get the experience to do so. And so essentially, I made a PSA commercial version thing for them for free. And you know, granted, it was I didn't really get much out of it other than experience working for it. But sometimes you need to almost create opportunities and look for opportunities that, you know, would allow you to be in that that field and within those parameters so that, you know, you learn how to operate within them. Yeah. And I mean, especially as a student, it's pretty easy to, I think, operate with that one man band mentality and be able to find some decent work, especially like for a student, um, you have access to, you know, a lot of friends that you don't have to pay professional rates. <laughs> um, <laughs> you have access to a lot of equipment, whether from your school or it's like, I mean, equipment's dirt cheap nowadays and super good. Um, so you can create a lot of great stuff um, at that level as a student, especially just because of the position you're in. Um, I think now entering into like professional field, me and my long division team, um, we're trying to find out how to really step into that agency world. And yeah, I think that that definitely is a really different game altogether. And a lot of my old contacts don't really work for that because, you know, whereas it, in the past you have to find people that can pay you, you know, a couple thousand dollars to do a project. Now we're having to find um, <clears throat> clients that have, you know, tens of thousands uh, or more to, to create a single project. And so we're kind of trying to navigate that currently. <laughs> mm -hmm. Yes. For, we, we talked a lot about branding content uh, and everyone knows at its base what a commercial is. Uh, let's talk about some like different categories within commercials and branded content. So we were talking earlier about like storified uh, story or uh, story forward driven uh, commercials. What are some other categories? I mean, there's your classic, just talk to the camera salesman infomercial. <laughs> yep. <laughs> um, there are things that are purely like documentary based. There are lifestyle pieces where, I mean, a lot of times we just did one where we're working with a dental company and it's just a bunch of, you know, pretty B-roll of, um, 
people going to uh, through their life and and uh, going to a dental office, but it's all like narration driven. Um, there's like anthem pieces that a lot of sports uh, type of commercials lean towards. <laughs> mm-hmm. I think a new one that's kind of popped up in the recent internet age is, um, and I hate to say this word, but essentially influencer-driven commercials oh, yeah. or influencer-driven products. So I think everyone has seen Instagram where you have their friend that has like, oh, use my code and get 15% off on whatever product I'm you know, working on. So in that way, it's very, you know, re- it's related to the old school um, celebrity brand of right. commercial where you'd get someone that you know to sell your product. But nowadays, yeah. essentially everyone you know could sell you a product. Because in the way that they're getting to you is through familiarity or recognition. I recognize this person. I recognize, you know, my friend. And so I'm going to trust that product more because of it. Um, and especially with the age of YouTube and the age of Twitch streamers, you're going to get a lot of people that have maybe like mid-roll ads or pre-roll ads or something that are on their 10-minute video versus watching a television show with 20 minutes and having, you know, 22 minutes and watching eight minutes of ads. So it's a new age, it's a new time for advertising, and there's a lot more people that can sell you a product nowadays. Nice. Yeah, I think that's a huge one that's been popped up recently. I think another category is more like, I don't know the exact term, but for at least for food, we see a lot of like, you know, close-up, almost uh, product photography like uh, videos for those as well, Uh, as well as like, you know, other like story for food too. The macro uh, lens has yeah. returned. <laughs> yes. So when that's just uh, John, when you are have been hired, or when you're pitching for a uh, spot or a commercial or for a project, where do you begin? So I think when I was working by myself, kind of at a, a much smaller scale, um, I always try to meet people in person i know right now we can't really do that but (laughs) um as much as possible get as close to an in-person meeting as possible because and and that goes regardless of you know how high up you are working in industry if you can meet someone in person then you can sell them not just based on your work but also the fact that they're going to enjoy working with you hopefully yeah (laughs) i mean that's the goal to be enjoyable to you know collaborate with uh be positive and to show that you're you're actually motivated and hardworking and you'll keep your word when it comes to deadlines. Um, and for a lot of smaller scale jobs uh, for like local businesses, um, a lot of times like that's enough because they're not looking for something super high end. Um, they just want to know that they're going to actually get something good out of this. And you're not just going to, you know, not care about the project, but you actually do care about the project and you're going to, you know, try to make it look good and help them. Um, and you want to make sure that you understand what they're actually wanting to achieve with the project too. Because you might have an idea for what you want to do for a project, but it may not ultimately serve the goals that they have in mind when they chose to hire you. So you always have to keep in mind that you know, commercials serve the brand, not the art. Um, I think now working at a larger scale, um, we create treatments, which are just kind of like lookbooks that 
tell your client how you are going to address the the, the needs that they need to achieve with you know the goals they need to achieve with this um, project uh, how, the idea you're wanting to to use and and how you're going to execute so we create these like pdf lookbooks um that kind of goes through you know what's the objective uh, what's the original brief how we're going to um start addressing the needs that the client has and what's our creative approach uh how is this going to actually um serve the purpose of the piece uh how how is it going to look what kind of characters are we going to cast? What kind of music is there going to be? Is there going to be music? Is there going to be voiceover? How are we going to approach, you know, the editing? And um, and what's the timeline going to be for everything? So, you know, if they're going to be investing a lot more money, then the more confidence you can give them that you actually are going into this with a very solid plan, the better. So, like that, plus your phone meetings or in-person meetings. It's kind of how we approach things. Nice. That's great. For people that are also just getting started, you know, it's one thing, like, let's just say you're at a school event or you're at somewhere and like you, you're just recording, you know, that's kind of one side of things, but then it's like a whole other thing to actually like, kind of like uh, create a brand and content piece and, and sell um, the school in like, not so much in terms of like selling, but in terms of like highlighting what's going on. How do you transition between that? Oh, I'm just here to capture stuff, or yeah, I'm I'm just kind of at the uh, client client's uh, workstation. I'm just like recording stuff. How do you transition between that and actually creating a, a piece that looks good uh, and stays with the viewer? I mean, I think there's two. I don't know, Chris. Do you have anything to say about this? Not <laughs> um, I think what you said is really true about giving a lookbook to people, mostly because it helps someone who may not be as you know familiar with the filmmaking process or with the commercial process, or who may have never you know may not know the struggle that you know you may have in trying to capture something. It helps give them a lot of confidence, and in doing so, like you're saying, it gives them more confidence in investing their money and their time. Um, into you as a, as a filmmaker. And when it comes to capturing attention, I think you're trying to balance, obviously, a lot of things. Um, you're trying to make sure that the content either is visually, you know, has some type of quality to it, has, has decent audio to it, has some underlying story that a viewer would relate to or meets the need that they're looking for. So if for branded content, if you're trying to sell a product or sell a service or sell just the brand, you need to think about the audience of that brand and how you're trying to capture and meet their needs and their questions. So for instance, if you're trying to make you know a content piece for your school that promotes the school and promotes all the good things about it, obviously you need to make sure that whatever you show and put into the piece is in line with the school's uh, values but also in line with the audience of parents that may want to send their child to that school. So using you know, that in mind, keeping your target audience both as the commercial uh, for your client, but also for the audience of that commercial, keeping both in mind, I think, is what creates a really good piece and ultimately will help kind of make both parties happy in that sense. 
Yeah, and I think what you're describing too, Brendan, if you're doing something for like an event or a school, there's two approaches. One is to go in with a predetermined idea of what you want to end up with, and then you shoot uh, according to that idea. You shoot the pieces necessary for that. I mean, the other approach, which I also have done a lot of, um, is kind of also like the wedding approach where you treat it as an event and you essentially try to capture what's already happening um, for the sake of creating this whole like fear of missing out uh, <laughs> feeling. I mean, that's what you're trying to do in that case. Like <laughs> um, <clears throat> you're selling that, you know, you should have been there, so you should hop on now. Um, and that can take on, you know, much more organic uh, of a style. You can just go in and, and shoot creatively crazy. Yes, for... <laughs> For for those type of events or even for like a normal commercial, there's always that kind of deadline or that it is kind of um, the event's going to end sometime soon. How do you balance getting good visuals with getting a lot of content? I mean, if you <laughs> more people, <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's that's the solution. Yeah, I mean, if your goal is to create a huge montage piece where you're cutting all the time and it's just you know Red Bull style fast twitch action then yeah you might it might not even matter that you sacrifice quality but i mean if you need that quality then you just need more people but if your idea doesn't involve that it can you know have slower pace nicer visuals uh then yeah i guess you just have to do it more so you can figure out your own pacing so that you capture what you need all right. Uh, last last thing on commercial before we move on the documentary. How do you keep in mind the distribution for uh, any branded content that you might create for a client? Yeah, I, I just try not to touch that because <laughs> that's not my specialty. I mean, that that's the job of the marketing and sales team. Or if you're working in the agency world, like we're just creating the content you should have already had a plan in place on how to use it. <laughs> um, I think throughout my time, I've had a lot of people ask me how they should be implementing things. And I feel like nowadays I just try, unless you're really good at it, I, I personally try to not step into that too much because, um, yeah, I don't have a lot of experience in that. And so they shouldn't trust me because... I shouldn't be the person to be talking with uh, for distribution or utilization of whatever content I create. Or at least when, because different uh, open pitches, pitched projects um, have, you know, this is this spot is going to be for Instagram. This spot is going to be on commercial. How about then? How do you go about approaching that? Oh, I mean, if it's just like fitting within a certain technical uh, specification then yeah keep the technicalities in mind if you're shooting square or vertical or normal horizontal or widescreen um, keep that in mind but I, th I think you know most people have a pretty good intuition now about how they have to adapt the style of the piece um, to the platform so I mean we're all consumers of all these platforms like we know that things on Instagram won't translate well to the big screen and vice versa. 
four by three scale it up. Yes. Have anything to add to that, Chris? Um, on obviously on like the on the filmmaking side, I agree with John. Like you need to keep in mind how your piece is going to be distributed, or if you're trying to make a piece that's supposed to be distributed across multiple platforms. Side of things, like John was saying, usually um, for larger scale companies and larger scale businesses, they have a whole department that handles when stuff goes out, how often it goes out, what platforms it goes out. And speaking as someone who was part of a team that did that um, for a very small scale like uh, service, the big thing about marketing and distribution is consistency, no, letting your people know as much as you can. And then when you do deliver, making sure that it, that as many eyes as possible can find their way to that page so that way they can watch it. It's very hard nowadays to get people to watch a commercial, but it's usually more successful if that commercial is either used to introduce something else, is used to bracket a new event or a new you know moment, or is used to kind of like provide an intro to whatever is about to happen. So if you were making, if you are, you know, m making the commercial and then also you know, marketing it and distributing it for the company, you need to kind of keep in mind, when is this video going to be most effective to meet the needs of this client? And then you need to make sure that that gets put out. And then maybe every week, every other week, you put it out again, just to kind of remind people that that's part of this brand now. Yeah, and I think <clears throat> from the filmmaking side to, well, filmmaking and selling yourself side, um, if you're creating a piece of content, and I think big commercials do this too, but if you're creating a piece of content, um, it's more than likely that you'll have pieces to create smaller pieces of content from that hero video. And so most projects we have, there are quite a few cut downs. Um, you know, if it's a 30 second spot, they might want, you know, a handful of 15 second cut downs that highlight specific things using the same main assets that we shoot for the the main hero video and so that's something that you could always pitch to like a smaller business that may not see like may not think of that as an option awesome all right moving on to documentary filmmaking how does one uh begin a career in documentary filmmaking learn how to make documentary films <laughs> yeah that yeah we literally said the same thing learn how to create a documentary um look around and look at the stories that are so unique and interesting that they need to be told and shared and practice on those. Yeah, like turning into career, I really don't know because I'm not a documentary filmmaker. <laughs> um, well, I don't make any money doing that at least. Um, but I would assume that it's much more like the narrative path uh, or maybe like the indie narrative path where you have to go and find distributors and you have to make things that people would want to see and that you can sell. <laughs> All right. So when people just go out and uh, find a story that's interesting or maybe find a client that wants a documentary to be done, what is needed to record a documentary? Just like a brief list of gear. Oh, equipment. Ooh. Yeah. A camera and a microphone. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Um, I think, yeah, a camera and lenses. Lenses, because you're you're trying to create specific looks if you're trying to make a documentary. And if you know in your head that a certain look would look better for the story, probably change that. 
Anything to add, John? No. <laughs> I, I mean, you need at, at some point or another, a documentary is both visually appealing, but it also needs to be audibly, you know, pushed along at some points as well. And I think good documentaries blend music, voiceover, live footage, and a bunch of other, like, you know, interesting things together. And so at some point or another, to be a good documentary filmmaker, you're going to also need to focus on the auditory part of that. So maybe invest in some microphones that are really good for voiceover, invest in microphones that are really good at picking up ambient noise, and then make friends with a lot of really good composers who can help create pieces that would really drive your story along or help those points in your documentary that need a little boost. Yeah, I mean, another big part of documentary filmmaking is the editing because you just start out with raw pieces, like whether you're shooting a wedding or like a proper documentary. I mean, it's all the same kind of idea. You start out with a bunch of pieces and you have to find a way to connect them in the edit because you might have an idea of what pieces you're wanting or hoping to get while you're filming. But once you come back, then you have to just make everything work, both from a story side of things and also from like a visuals side, you know, standpoint too, because sometimes you might not have all the visuals and you have to, you know, you might be filming a lot more than you had anticipated or, or a lot less. Um, <clears throat> but yeah, I think editing documentary is pretty different from editing like narrative and it's a different um skill set altogether because it's it's totally different approaches to how you edit yeah chris you briefly mentioned that you know for uh, documentaries you know lots of voiceovers are required uh another you know big thing about documentaries is also the, the interview process as well and john you said that you know many times you figure out the story in the editing process uh for documentary filmmakers, you know, is it like always the case that, you know, they find the story in the, in the editing process or do they like, you know, get an idea when they're, uh, when they're interviewing or even if they have an idea when they're interviewing, you know, does it like drastically change when they bring it into the edit and see like a different story come out of it? I think one really important thing is that you need to kind of pay attention to all of the points of the process. I think that a good story can be found in multiple points and you can find multiple like avenues to kind of split off and focus more upon. And when it comes to a documentary, like John was saying, you have to capture as much as possible when you're there and work with what you have afterwards because there's really not a good time to go back and try to capture the same thing again. You have to work with what you have. And so, like you're like we were talking about before, keeping in mind what you want to say with the documentary, and then trying to find the pieces that have the most similarity or most driving force together with that main story is important. And that could come at any point in the process of when you're recording it, when you first discover the story, when you're interviewing the person, or when you're in the edit and you're just trying to figure out how do all these pieces kind of fit together. For for B roll, um, you know, and for balancing the visuals with the quality. Is it just another matter of you know finding more people, or what should people keep in mind when uh, filming B-roll? You probably have a plan of what you want to film prior to. Or I hope you have some kind of a plan of what you hope to capture 
when you know you're planning your project out and then you go you might get some things and be disappointed in a lot of other things yeah especially once you start hearing what you know if your documentary involves talking heads and uh, having people talk um you know it's it's pretty helpful having at least some of that before you go and film the majority of a b-roll because sometimes they might shed light to things you may not have thought about that you would now want to capture like maybe they talked about something that you couldn't have researched beforehand and mm -hmm. that might give you more opportunities to um come up with new ideas about what you want to film but i mean when it comes to b-roll like honestly the more the better because <laughs> if you come back to the editing room basically if you can't find a piece of b-roll that matches what is being told in the story then you're just going to cut back to the talking head and the more of that you have less engaging it'll probably be <laughs> i mm -hmm. mean to the point where i think on the past few projects alex my partner for a lot of these like branded content type things like he just he hasn't even recorded video alongside his interview um and in a way that helps keep the interview process much more organic and a little bit less scary if you know, especially if your talent isn't used to cameras. If you just have like a voice recorder, then you can be a lot more organic with them. Um, but that also means that you must have the visuals to cover for you um, throughout the entire piece. To add to that, um, to kind of like give some examples, I think a really good one to kind of keep in mind is if you're doing an interview and the person you're interviewing describes a process of how they do something. So let's say that they're a glass blower, right? And they talk about how they have to dip the glass and get it to a certain heat, and then they have to pull it out and spin it, and then they have to blow it and rotate it at the same time to watch it cool. You're kind of, they're essentially giving you a list of things to visually go and look for. So when it comes to uh, recording B roll, if you record all of the process points, you have a lot to cut away to as they're describing what's happening. Um, additionally, for B roll, like John was saying, they may say something that you may seem completely, you know, mundane to the normal person, but is vital to what they do or vital to their story. And you need to go find that unique piece of equipment or that unique moment of their process that you want to record. And so I think when you are listening to an interview or talking with a person or discovering their story, having someone really be meticulous about what they're talking about. And trying to look for these visual moments within all of their mo within all of their uh, storytelling is really helpful. And then obviously, when you get there on the day, you can really kind of focus in on okay, these are the things that we noticed. Now that we're here, and now that we've captured those things, what else in this space is worth looking at, or is interesting, or is different, or is unique? And I think, like John was saying, having more than one person speeds up that process and makes it a lot easier for you as a person editing it to work with more than one angle of footage or more than one uh, focal point of a lens or one style, so to speak. It's a very, very helpful to have variety because variety really drives a, a documentary film as well. Yeah, and I think a big piece of um, being able to have access to a variety of things to show is to, to go in and be truly interested and invested in whatever it is you're you're trying to capture. Because if, if so, I, I shot a documentary with my other partner Eric um, about one of our former 
teachers and now friend. Um, honestly, all we knew was he made art that involved like carving some kind of wood and he was inspired by his hikes in the Sierras. And <clears throat> I think for this project, we definitely went in with a lot less of a plan because it was more of a passion thing and we kind of wanted to let him lead what the story would become. Um, and we're glad we did that. Uh, but I think it wouldn't have been as enjoyable of a process if we we weren't, you know, fully invested into this thing that he was a part of. Um, you know, we went out and backpacked with him for a couple days, not knowing what we would capture or what, you know, opportunities we present. We didn't even know where we're going to go backpacking. We just went with him to the film permit office and they told us what spots were available and we just went and filmed as we went and we did some interviews up there. Um, but yeah, at this point, you know, it went from having just like a teacher that did interesting things to having um, like a friend that also has this really creative process that we're now pretty invested in. And so if they can tell that like you care about whatever it is they're doing, um, I think they'll naturally want to give you more opportunities uh, that you can then capture <laughs> and make use of to tell a compelling story. That's great. That documentary is called Passing Through. You can find it at johnhuang.com. <laughs> Go look it up. Um, that's great. All right. So as we wrap up, let's just go, uh, let's like any tips and tricks that, uh, in commercial documentary filmmaking that a student should keep in mind. Yeah. First one, who's your audience? Um, know who is going to be watching this, know who you're making this project for, and that'll help inform a lot of the decisions <laughs> that you make in the process. Yeah. I think if you're just starting out, think about what you actually get excited about and also what opportunities you may have to to um, make use of in telling a documentary but yeah like what do you care about ask yourself that uh i think another good thing if people are stuck at home and are just trying to like do something creative in commercial documentary just like pick up the nearest like item on your desk and like shoot like some product uh photography or filmmaking for <laughs> it that might be interesting like i don't know maybe like a hydro flask or <laughs> something of the sorts um, i think that would be interesting too yeah that's true i mean that'll help develop a nice new skill set lighting wise because i think you know lighting product or studio in general but product especially um it's like a completely different world than lighting for humans it's yep. a completely different mindset and uh, a lot more intricate <laughs> So if you can develop that skill set, um, it'll be handy. <laughs> yes, that it is. All right. So for any students that want to go out and start in the commercial or documentary world, uh, just go out and do it. <laughs> that should yeah, like be the tagline. <laughs> yeah, the tagline yeah. of this podcast and all of filmmaking. Just do it. Nike. No way we can't use that. <laughs> yeah. Uh, man, Nike, come on. Come, come to us. All right. Well, uh, any last thoughts, comments, uh, concerns, questions? Yeah. So apparently, we learned this recently through some connections, but like Nike 
outsources everything. So apparently it's actually a lot easier to get a spot associated with Nike than you may think. Oh, interesting. <laughs> now you know. them right now. <laughs> yeah, I know. All right, sponsored by with all of our uh, viewers. Well, <laughs> I haven't gotten anything, but you know. <laughs> you never know. I think it's a good point. You never know until you ask. And if you're going to go and make a story about something, or if you're going to go make a commercial about something, you got to ask first before that even happens. But if you come prepared, like we were saying, come very prepared to uh, show what you can do. Yes, I think that is the new uh, Chris's tagline, this podcast. You never know if you don't ask. <laughs> That's it. Thanks once again to Chris Sin and John Huang. You can find John at johnhuang.com or longdivision.film. John also mentioned after we stopped recording that if you want to listen to more content about commercial filmmaking, the Just Shoot It podcast is a great resource for that. I hope you enjoy this podcast and listen to more.